Today's sponsor of the SHI podcast is Carter Young. For those of you who may not know about Carter Young, which I can only assume you are brand new to student housing or you've been living under a dorm for the past 20 years, Carter Young is a debt recovery firm based in Georgia who has been specializing in debt recovery related to college students for over two decades. They even operate their call center out of Athens, Georgia, because they wanted to employ people who understand the student journey in order to give them a better chance of collecting from your student residents who end up owing you a balance after they move out. They also provide training programs to your on-site staff and review your operating methods to make sure everything is being done to prevent bad debt from happening. Now, how many debt recovery services do that? If you're not using Carter Young, I can guarantee you're leaving money on the table. Visit them at carter-young.com or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and joining me as co-host today, Mr. Willie Butler. Hey, happy to be here, Wes. Happy New Year, everybody. This is the first podcast of the new year. Excited to be here and excited to be talking to you, Wes. Absolutely. Well, man, you you just got finished with with an assignment on your business, but I've just loved keeping up with your Instagram and all the things that you were sharing with with the group from that assignment. It just gave me a lot of motivation. Love seeing how you were helping that team get some leases in the door going into the winter break. If someone wants to follow you on Instagram to get that great motivation, how do they do that? Oh yeah, easy. So um my my handle is gonna be where there is underscore will underscore there is a way. I know it's long, but it kind of uh <laughs> encompasses everything that I believe in. Um Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. I love that. I love that handle and uh, you know, lo- love what you're putting out on, on Instagram. It, it certainly gives me uh, every week <laughs> something, to look, something to look forward to um, when I know I need to get my mind right. So thanks for, thanks for doing that. Thanks for, for bringing value to not just the show, but you know, to, to your followers on that platform as well. My so pleasure. thanks uh, so much. Thank, thank you for mentioning it. I didn't know that you, uh, you listened. So I appreciate that. Now I know I got to uh, come with a little bit more heat. <laughs> Well, hey, you and I just got back from the IMN conference, which we're going to talk a little bit about. It was out in California. Absolutely, uh, IMN is a is a networking conference group that has that puts on a lot of different conferences throughout the year. They did their first student housing conference this year out in Dana Point, California, last week, and and we'll talk about and some they of couldn't our. Couldn't have picked a more beautiful location. <laughs> Absolutely. You and I got breakfast one day. <laughs> I went, but uh, it was you know right there on the on the beach, and got a great Instagram <laughs> photo to put up that my wife was extremely <laughs> jealous of. I've got to say, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was a little cool for Southern California. But all in all, it was great. Couldn't really ask for for a better time and a way to kind of kick the year off than you know meeting Absolutely. all the folks that were there. So uh, that, you know, while we were there, and this is what I love about these conferences, we were able to put together a live uh, recording and we'll get into that's kind of the meat of today's podcast. I got to sit down with uh, Mitch Smith, who's the COO for, for Scion, Jerry Wajinski, who is the CEO for Varsity Campus that's just knocking it out of the park this past year. 
And then uh, also Matt Maxa, who's uh, SVP of operations with uh, with CA Ventures or CA Management Services. And so we just, you know, we really got to kind of uh, take that time to talk about what's happened in 2019, what's happening in 2020. And, you know, what our core audience who are site level managers, regional managers, some of the things they need to be talking about. So we'll get into that in just a minute. But I wanted to just really, since this is the first episode of the of the new year, really just spend a little bit of time talking about what we accomplished uh, as Student Housing Insight this past year and, and some of the things that, that are coming up. And, and I think, you know, to, to really get started with that, I want to remind everybody why it is that we do what we do. Simon Sinek says, start with why. And when we sat down and realized this isn't just a podcast, this is something that we can truly do to, to help this industry and help those that are in it, we really started thinking about, okay, what does that look like and why do we want to do it? And and so I, I, I'm reading this, but at the same time, I want everybody to understand this is, I think this really speaks to what we're doing, but we love being a part of a person's success. It's literally why we get up every morning. We are a team of industry veterans who specifically see off-campus purpose-built student housing as a solution to many of the problems facing universities, their surrounding communities, and the students. We are also intimately familiar with how few resources operators of PBSH have available to determine best practices and paths for innovation. We believe that SHI has the unique opportunity of becoming the leading resource to help these operators and their employees be the best they can be. If we can do that, we know the universities, their surrounding communities, and their students have a better chance of success. So I think that really wraps that part up of why we do what we do. And, and if if you're in this industry and you've been in this in this industry for a while and, and you've been trying to figure out why is it that I like doing this job? Why do I like working with students? If you haven't figured that out, if you haven't been able to answer that for yourself, I, I would. We might have a bigger problem. What's that? So we might have a bigger problem on our hands. We we might, but I would just I, I would strongly suggest that that you know we you spend the time going through that process and really asking. Absolutely. And because I, I'll be the first one to admit, I probably spent the first three to five years in this industry saying man, I really love what I'm doing, but I have no idea why I love doing it. <laughs> and so I really encourage people to, to go through that self journey. Uh, again, Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, I think is a, is a great place to start, you know, figuring out what questions you need to be asking yourself to really go through that self-discovery. But I agree. And I mean, one of the things that I'm passionate about and one thing that I, you know, I've been saying consistently throughout this whole week, like um, with, with the training and stuff that I'm doing, one of my favorite speakers has this quote. He says, uh, people don't burn out in life because of what they do. They burn out in life because life makes them forget why they do it. And I think that's huge. Naturally, we all experience a little bit of burnout, especially in student housing. It's not, a, it's not an easy job. It takes a certain type of crazy to be able to do this job and be able to do it at top <laughs> tier all the time, right? So um, I, I think you hit it right on the head, really recognizing what that why is not only is good self-discovery and self-development, but it's also your driving force. It's, you know, it's what's going to really push you through all the, all the hurdles that we're going to find in student housing. So again, I can't agree more. Yeah. Figuring out your why. 
Yeah. And once you figure out your why, you can really figure out your mission. And that was kind of the next step with us when we realized, okay, this is this is why SHI exists. This is why we're getting up and doing this. The mission became really clear and, and very simple. I always tell companies, look, if you can't put your if you can't put your mission on a t-shirt, it's just too long. It's going to confuse people. It's going to get people lost. Yeah. And, and so for for us, it's simple. Make student housing better. You know, whether it's it's a podcast episode, a topic for one of our events, or securing sponsorship from a service provider, we approach everything asking the question: Does this make student housing better? And it, it makes it makes making those decisions so much easier when you've got that kind of clarity. So, you know, taking a, a look back at, at 2019, uh, just to go over a couple of you know, pat ourselves on the back. I don't typically do that a lot, but, but it's well um, we, in this situation. There was a lot of, well, and, and Kristen, our, our director of marketing, she started putting together some of the, some of the stats and it's like, oh, wow, we did accomplish quite a bit, <laughs> but the podcast now has listeners in 51 countries. Wow. Our exactly. listener growth grew by 230%. Jesus. The, uh, the regional summits we put on four this year. That was up from just doing one in 2018. So we've gone from one to four, put out 25 podcast episodes. And I think the biggest thing, the thing I'm I'm really most proud of is that we launched the SHI community. And if you're listening to this, to this episode and you don't know what the SHI community is, it's a network, a platform within our website that we've constructed to allow the professionals in this industry to share their thoughts and news and information and job posts and everything about the industry that they want to share with like-minded people. So if, again, if you're listening to this and you're not part of the SHI community, go to the website in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a, a login button, go there, create a profile and start exploring what all we've got there. But that's been probably the biggest accomplishment that, <laughs> that I think that we've made this past year because it's just making a really unique community for us to all be involved in. Absolutely. And if you don't um, know, now you know. Like Wes said, go ahead, log on. Again, it's huge. It's massive. It's going to be a huge resource for anybody in the student housing industry. Um, it's Facebook for student housing, right? <laughs> like it's a social media platform for everybody to bounce ideas off of each other. Everything, everything that you need all in the social media that's tailored to our industry. It's huge. Um, again, Wes, sorry, I don't want to be the person that shameless plug. It's amazing. Go to it. Log <laughs> in if you're not in. Um, I remember when Wes first told me about the beta concept, like the beta side of things. He said, Willie, you want to try it out? And um, now just seeing how it manifests and how it grew over the course of just a few months here in 2019, it's it's amazing. So I can only imagine what the future is going to hold for it. That's kind of a perfect transition. Let's talk about at least the short term future for <laughs> for 2020. We are doing four summits again this year, regional summits. Really quick on the locations. If if you're not familiar, if you haven't heard in a in some of our previous podcasts or seen on the website, we're going to do Chicago for our Midwest region, which is going to be in May. Uh, we're going to be doing Phoenix, Arizona in June for our Southwest region. And then in September, we're actually combining uh, forces <laughs> with with Interface and, and France Media uh, for their LeaseCon event, uh, which is being held in, in September. It's been there the past two years. And I had a conversation with the guys over there after that event and said, 
you know, we had an event down in Waco the week before. Next year, why don't we just, you know, combine these together? So, and, and I say combine it, we're, we're going to be working. More details will come out as we get closer. But essentially what we're looking to do is the Southwest Regional Summit, probably at the same hotel. Those details have got to get worked out, but it'll be in Dallas. We're going to be doing it. If everything works out, we'll be doing that our, our typical Tuesday, Wednesday. And Lee's Con will be on the typical Wednesday evening, all day Thursday. So make sure you're keeping your calendars as clear as you can in September. Regardless if you're if you're if you work in the Southwest region at a at a particular property, or you know you're going to be in LeaseCon, maybe you're coming from Pennsylvania or somewhere, and you want to see uh, what a regional summit's like. That's a great opportunity for you to to look into that. So, and then we'll be doing a Southeast regional summit in Atlanta in October. So cool things coming with that. No, I'm crazy excited about the Dallas one. Um, I, w- I was fortunate enough to go to both the. The regional summit in Waco and as well as the the LeaseCon this past year. And they were both phenomenal events. So I can only imagine what's going to be in store when they, you know, join forces and um just bring it all together for one. That's that's gonna be awesome. So I'm I'm crazy yeah, about that one. Guaranteed gonna be there. Um I'm gonna try to make all you actually you you launched your book at, at yeah at that same time too. So should we expect another book for September on that one just yet? But <laughs> It's an idea for sure. It's definitely an idea right now. That's where it all starts. Well, a couple other things that we're doing new for 2020 is our market meetups. Let me tell you kind of where this idea came from. You know, when when I was in Waco for that event and we had several university administrators that were there and we had a, our panel on creating relationships with, with universities, I, I, that's kind of where this was born out of because I saw those folks get a lot of really good information and I realized, you know what? There's not a lot of opportunities that off-campus student housing professionals have to meet with their university administrators, especially on the housing and res life side, in a setting like that, unless if it's you know just going to their office and, and chatting with them, which is great. Don't get me wrong. It's great. But I really saw some, some real connections being made by that, that specific panel. And I thought, you know, if this could be replicated uh, market by market. I think there would be a tremendous amount of benefit for both sides, both for the university to have a better understanding of what's happening in the off-campus market. And then also so off-campus professionals can get a, a better understanding of you know what's on the agenda for their own campus counterparts. And are, are there things that they can kind of chime in and help if there's agendas that they're promoting? Uh, you know, is it, is it something that makes sense for uh, for the off-campus world to to be in sync and promoting at the same time, and, and you know, some some great partnerships can be formed out of that. So we've got uh, two partners that we're working with us on that uh, College House Research, which is just uh, their platform is just exploding. If you haven't looked at them for research analytics on on your market uh, and, and the markets that you're looking at, make sure that you go check them out at, at collegehouse.com. But they're going to be providing one of the the panels for that so that each of these market meetups, uh, those employees of the off-campus world and the on-campus world are getting up-to-date information about what's going on in their market from from an off-campus standpoint. And then we've got our industry professional series, uh, which you've got to be part of the Student Housing Insight community to get that. 
if you've ever wondered <laughs> how the other side lives, this is your inside scoop on various positions throughout the student housing industry. And it's all going to be available through the SHI community. So make sure that that you're doing that. Yeah, I think that's about it. There is we are launching. If you're, you know, one of our audience members that is in the C-suite or, or maybe even a regional manager position and you're thinking, gosh, it, it really makes a lot of sense for my employees to get to to these summits. We've actually got a preferred employer program that we've put in place this year as well, where your company, if you're if you're a part of our preferred employer program, you get some significant discounts as well as some free admission for a group of your of your employees for each of the summits. So uh, if you want more information on that, please go to our website and you can find more there as well. well I think that's about it for 2020. I'm excited about what's coming. How about you? Oh, I'm excited. I can't wait. I mean, 2020 is going to be huge. It's just beginning and there's already a bunch of fun, exciting things going on. So um, <laughs> I'm excited, man. I can't wait. <laughs> well, Willie, one other thing that happens at the beginning of the year that's <laughs> now, now I guess it's going to be an annual tradition. We did this last year, kind of, it's kind of one of these things that we said, you know what, we've met some really cool companies that are providing new services to the to the industry we need to do something to get their name out to celebrate them and uh and and we launched our fab five list so <laughs> that was that was 2019 we had some great companies like easy turn which is who our co-host lincoln ogata uh, it's a company that him and chase Menenfield started we also had unilodgers on that list this year we've done our fab five again and we actually released it at the I'm in event that we're going to be playing for everybody. But I wanted to just this is the official week that we're launching this on our social media platform and everything else. So wanted to just go over again. Again, the Fab Five is just a group of companies that have got either either they're a brand new company that uh, is offering a new service to the to the industry or they could be an existing company that has a new service or a new product that, you know, they're bringing to market. And I think it's, um, I think it, this year's list is pretty amazing. Oh, you know, these guys from this past year, and I think we both agree uh, it's pretty awesome, but couldn't have a better name. Fab five, every one of their services are fabulous. And it's really just really, really a benefit to the student housing industry altogether. I think I can't wait for you to announce them to everybody. Go ahead, Wes. Take yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the first one, we actually just mentioned them when we were talking about the, the market meetups, which is College House. Now, they are also a strategic partner, so I want to be upfront about that. Being a strategic partner doesn't mean that they're you know, they're a paid sponsor or anything like that. It just means that they are working with us in sync with with our mission and what we're about here to develop things that that we believe will benefit the industry and and that's college house and college house for those that went to our last two summits this year and, and uh, participated in our market analysis workshop that was something that I took on, you know, for when we were doing the workshop previously, it was on a spreadsheet and we were showing people how to find the information throughout the web and everywhere else to, to complete the spreadsheet. We're now doing that in an online web app. And all of that is thanks to College House. And they've made the process just so much more simpler. And when you simplify things like that, you're able to concentrate a little bit more on what the data actually means. And so... That has just um, 
uh, created a lot of things that we get chill bumps about here. <laughs> but oh, but in addition, um, they've come out with with a market survey tool, if that's the way you want to um, look at it, that really brings a modern approach to student housing research. Um, they analyze purpose-built student student properties at over 180 universities and just compile a simple professional market report that allows you to turn data into actionable insights. So if you haven't heard of them yet, go check them out at collegehouse.com. And of course, you can find links at our website as well. Yeah, Wes, and I think you hit it on the head. Um, you said actionable research, right? Um, the data is the data, right? And if we spend all of our time trying to compile the numbers and, you know, that's that's where it stops, you know, what good is it? But the cool thing about it is they make it convenient. It's all in one place, all centralized, all in one platform. You don't have to go from website to website. College House just makes it really simple to go in and figure out what you need to figure out so then you can execute. And I think uh, execution is worship, right? That's that's where it is. So it's, it's just really nice to have all that content all in one place and easily accessible. Yeah, just the, I mean, the, you know, there's other companies, other competitors that they have out there that, you know, focus on way more than just student housing. And uh, <laughs> you get spreadsheet after spreadsheet after spreadsheet after spreadsheet of, of reports and none of them really tell you a whole lot. Absolutely. And so this is just, you know, it's it's what's important. It it doesn't give you a lot of information that is completely useless and confuses you. Uh, it's I, I love the platform. I use it practically every day in my consulting business. So it makes two of us. Yeah. <laughs> and it's info- it's affordable too. That's the other key thing. Number 2 is vector travel. If you guys have been listening to the podcast this past year, uh, you'll recognize Vector Travel because I did a podcast with their CEO, Mickey Crump, uh, based in Jacksonville, Florida. This is the company that is going to take care of your vacancy issues that you may have. We all get to the end of the year. We either have a group of people that didn't move in and we get stuck with you know a completely vacant unit. Or you know, maybe leasing just didn't go as well. I've got a market right now that I'm doing consulting in, and there was a two percent decrease in, in enrollment in that in that particular university, major tier one university, and that property ended up with with four completely vacant units, which I'll, I'll say is another reason why, as you get towards the, the end of the year, doing roommate matching and unit consolidation is so so important. Because what Vector Travel is able to do is take those completely vacant units and put them out on on their platform, which goes out to Airbnb and bookings.com. And you're able to get some short-term rental revenue from that. And I've got to tell you, I've uh, I've got that same property that's been on their platform for, for two months now. And I've been just blown away. At, at the type of traffic that they've been able to generate and how many bookings that they've got. So if you're in that situation where you've got some vacancy and you've got some completely vacant units, these guys are are great. Mickey was out at the IMN conference. He's really got his eye on the student housing side and his, uh, his team just really understands what comes with that. And like you said, um, they understand, right? Um, I was working, I was talking to Mickey and just really flexible about everything that was going on. Like you said, I was helping out that property out in um, Florida and he was, he was on it. I messaged Mickey like, Hey man, what's your insight? And immediately sent me back a bunch of numbers and how, you know, what they could do to help drive traffic there. And it was, it was just awesome. Like really flexible, willing to work with just about anybody. Again, vector travel is amazing. 
Cool. Well, and number three is not going to be a stranger to anybody that's been listening to this podcast really since since its inception, because the the CEO of this company was actually it was probably on one of the first ten podcasts, and that is pet screening. Pet screening. Like you mentioned earlier, you you went to three of the summits this year. They were at two of the summits with a panel. We started out with one in Waco. And and for those of you that don't know pet screening, they, they don't do the DNA screening for, for pet poop. That's a that's another company that pet screening is is aligned with called Poo Prints. But pet screening is really just taking all of the headaches that us as, as property managers have been dealing with when it comes to pet and assistance animals and, and, and the headache that comes with managing that whole process. They take it and just just eliminate it for the property managers and provide a very valuable service to the residents at the same time. And I've got to say, <laughs> those the, the panel went so well in Waco that we had them do the one in Charlotte as well. And I, that was probably one of the most active panels I think that we've had <laughs> because this is just it's such of a hot topic right now. It's definitely a touch point. We all have um, something that we can relate to when it comes to that. So I think I think it was huge. Everybody enjoyed it at both of the summits. And I think, um, you know, come Chicago, they should come back. So uh, have you got any pets? I don't have any pets of my own, but I, you know, I want one. I mean, you're, you're traveling too much, but yeah. Entirely too much. That's, that's the big hurdle. But you're engaged. You're getting married this year. Uh, you know, that it's, if it's not kids, it's pets that comes next. So. Right, puppy, it is. <laughs> make sure, make sure you get it registered with pet screening. There we go. Well, number four of our Fab Five is is a company that's uh, that I've. It's not a new company within the student housing industry. It's actually from the guys at, or I should say, the gals at South Park Interiors. That's based here in Charlotte, close to myself. Um, South Park Interiors has been doing interior design services for for probably the better part of a decade. And one of the things that they keep hearing over and over and over again from property managers and their clients that that they, uh, regardless of it's just coming in and remodeling a the model or if it's, you know, a brand new build and they're coming in and, and designing the whole clubhouse and uh, amenity areas and all that, uh, especially when it comes to the model, they keep getting the question from, from prospects of, oh, I love that pillow. Where did you get it? I love that art. Where did you get it? I love that bedspread. Where did you get it? And, you know, these guys aren't getting stuff typically from TJ Maxx or Target or anything yeah. like that. SBI is, you know, it, it all comes together and and something that I mean, their design is is you know so thoughtful in how they're putting things together that you know you're not going to find this stuff there. And so they actually said, you know what, we could actually create something where we could work with property managers so that if they did want that pillow, um, you know, they could go through an e-commerce site and and purchase it right. And and that's what. Stellar is about, which is our is number four. They branded it. Uh, we are Stellar Designs, and it's it's been a phenomenal service. But what they've ended up finding out is where it's even more popular versus you know the prospects who they were originally going after as customers was property managers who said, "Hey, you know, I, I really love this you know this combination of of bedspread and." 
and bathroom rugs and and shower curtain and art and everything else. Um, I, I'd like to just buy that for my model because my model needs to be refreshed and I don't have a lot of money to spend on it. And so that's really been kind of the their key thing that they've been doing. And the the folks that are doing it just love it. It, it provides you know a brand new splash of color and. Um, they're always really on target with what, you know, what their designs are and making sure that they're relative to today's college student. And I've just been, you know, just thoroughly enjoyed hearing the comments that I've heard back from property managers that have used them. So stellar designs. Wes, I'm still having dreams about that couch that they had on stage at the, uh, North Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's so comfortable. Um, now that I can get that in my apartment. My apartment's going to I don't think they sell that on Stellar, but I think they can get it for you if you need it. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely go check them out. You can link to them through our website or go to wearestellardesigns.com. And then last but not least, we have number five of the Fab Five. And this is a company that I kind of met late in the year. And it, it, the, the big problem that they solved for at least clients that that I began talking to them about. You ever have that situation that you've been involved with, with maybe it's been a brand new acquisition and you come in and, you know, previous management wasn't the greatest. And and there's a lot of online reputation that that (laughs) that goes along with an acquisition. Have you ever been in that situation, Willie? Like every acquisition. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the problem is, is, you know, you, you don't want to get rid of all the other important data that comes with that when you transition it over. You know, maybe you're lucky enough to, to rebrand with a new name and all that, but in a lot of cases you, you can't. And, and that stuff sticks. And the thing is, is it's really hard when, when you step into that situation and, and you're, you're trying to, to change the culture of, you know, what's been going on on that property and you're trying to get leasing moving in the right direction. When you start thinking about generating positive reviews, it's really tough because you know, no one goes and, and posts reviews that are, that are positive unless if you've just really knocked their socks off. Um, and even then it's tough. You, you still have to ask for it. Yep. Um, but you know, give the, you know, give the person that didn't get their mail on time that day and you know, they're, they're blaming management for it. Right. And so that's where, that's where number five comes into place with opinion. Opinion automates the process for uh, your property to collect authentic real-time feedback from your customers uh, their simple and easy process will generate more online reviews, and you can send those reviews to wherever it makes sense. If if you're needing to up your score on on Google, you can direct those reviews to Google. If it needs to go to Facebook or apartment ratings, you can have a little bit more control on where those uh, where those reviews are, are going or where they're automatically posting to and how they're automatically directing the residents. I've personally seen opinion in place with the property that I was involved with in Canada and was just within a three month period of time, the the turnaround that happened uh, specifically on Google, I saw them go from like a 2.8 to a 3.3 within wow. you know a, a matter of less than three months. And uh, it's, yeah, I've been really 
really surprised. I wouldn't call them reputation management product necessarily. You know, a lot of a lot of folks use different platforms, and of course, we all know about J Turner Research and you know what they do in regards to surveys. Uh, opinion is is not that. In fact, we had Justin Bingham, who's the CEO of of Opinion, um, at our Waco event presenting a whole thing on reputation management along with Mindy Price from J. Turner Research. And and it's kind of cool to see how these two products can actually work really well together. But yeah, go check them out. It's opinion.com, but it is spelled with three I's. So O-P-I-N-I-I-O-N.com. Don't ask me why they did that, but... I think, I think, you know, the regular opinion.com was probably way too expensive, but (laughs) it's, um, but incredible service. Uh, love seeing what, what they're doing in the multifamily space all together, but, uh, especially with uh, what they've been involved with in, in student housing and how they're making a play with that. So go check them out again. If you can't remember how many eyes it is, you can always go to the SHI website <laughs> and link to them from there. So, <laughs> but yeah, that, that rounds out our fab five for 2020. Congrats to those five companies. So if, uh, if you didn't know who those companies were, you know, now go check them out. Well, now let's get into <laughs> what we spent all of our time out in California doing. First of all, let me let me talk about the event that IMN put on. I think, uh, you know, this was their their first time at this event, or first time doing this event. They they do a lot of other real estate events throughout the country, um, all throughout the year. That's that's just what they do, and they they felt like that there was a need for for an additional conference in student housing. I happen to agree with that, but let me be upfront and say. This is not something that I would ever suggest to uh, a C-suite person or, or someone over talent management to say, hey, this is this is something that you need to you know get your own site folks to. This is uh, purely a networking business development type of, of conference from the standpoint of you know learning more about operations. I would say the content's really more directed to, you know, someone that's on the investment side that's wanting to have a better understanding of, of operations. It's, it's, you, you're not going to go to this. And <laughs> find if you're a current on-site manager, you're not going to go to this event and just be, you know, all shocked at <laughs> something that, that you took away from one of the panels necessarily. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. I'm just saying I would, you know, it would be unlikely. So from that standpoint, uh, that kind of sets the stage for, you know, what the panels are like, what the atmosphere is like. Uh, there was about 300 people there. Um, I think we had just, I think the official registry came in over like 340 people. And I was really, uh, you know, really love the group that, that they had there. I love when you're dealing with a group that is that size um, and that type of venue it allowed for a lot of meetings and I, you know, you and I both had Willie had meetings scheduled before we got out there, but Certainly. I was just amazed at, you know, how many meetings we were able to, you know, just kind of ad hoc, you know, seeing somebody and saying, Hey, let's, let's sit down and talk for a few minutes, oh, um, no, which is something no, I really enjoyed about meeting. it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I so, sorry to cut you off, but I agree wholeheartedly. The group was concentrated enough where 
it did allow for that. It wasn't 1,200 people all, you know, standing in line to speak to the same person. And I was on a panel. I remember you and I, we were walking and there was a, there was a gentleman that I wanted to talk to all night. And then sure enough, he was walking by himself. I shook his hand and we went, sat down and we had a meeting right then and there, right? Um, so, and that doesn't necessarily happen at all the conferences. Everybody's really busy. Everybody's uh, meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting because there's so many people that they're trying to talk to all in that window. This is just a great opportunity for everybody to have concentrated conversations and really get to know one another, generate really great relationships from it. I think that was my most that was my favorite part about this conference altogether. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I think we got to to spend a lot more time with folks than what is typical at, at these type of conferences. So that was great. Um, what I love about what I mentioned at the at the beginning of this podcast, what I really love about this, as far as for our followers, for our audience, is that it, it provides an opportunity for me to put together some content that we're not going to be able to get any other time of the year you know, because we've got so many high-level professionals that have been in this industry, have gone from the site level to the C-suite, that we don't get a lot of opportunities to, to talk throughout the year. And, and we certainly don't have a lot of opportunities to get three or four of us around the table and, <laughs> and talk. So when when that opportunity arises, I want to take advantage of it. And that's exactly what, what we did with a dinner that we put on at the event on, on Wednesday night. The conference was on Thursday and Friday. Um, I, I would say if there was... If if there was anything I would tell uh, IMN to, and I'll do this on the on the survey that they sent to me, having it on a Thursday and Friday, even though it was Southern California, and I would have loved to extend it through the through the weekend. Having anything on Friday is tough because, especially if if it's on one coast or the other coast, everybody is you know looking to get home for the weekend. Yeah. And I, the attendance that afternoon on Friday could really, <laughs> you could feel it. Everybody had emptied out. So that would be one thing I would say, try to try to improve on. But, but yeah, so, so again, this, this allows for a, an opportunity for, you know, us to come in. We put together a dinner for Wednesday evening, had a delicious dinner. And we were supposed to be in a private restaurant <laughs> or in a private dining room. At a restaurant, come to find out it wasn't quite as private as they said it was going to be. And you'll understand when you start listening to this audio. Made for a great audio. <laughs> it did give, it did give a, a, an ambiance. Uh, it kind of sounded like one of those coaching shows, you know, that, <laughs> that happens in college towns where it ends up, uh, the radio show ends up doing something at the, at the local sports bar with, with the coach, right? So it, it kind of had that feeling to it a little bit when you listen to this audio. But like I said, I, I was able to, to bring in someone who's been on this podcast before, on one of these live events before, which was Mitch Smith, who's the COO of, of Scion, and then Jerry Wajinski with Varsity, and then uh, SVP of operations, Matt Maxa from CA Ventures. So I, I just really, you know, I think it, it's if, if you are someone in this industry that's currently at the site level or, or a regional manager level, you want to listen through all this and listen to the advice that they've got to got for you. And thinking about what's what's kind of changing in 2020 as far as student housing, we've got less new development that's happening. How is that going to change things for the for the positions in the industry? So with that being said, Willie, let's just go ahead and, and push play on this so the audience can jump into it. 
So guys, welcome to the podcast. Um, I want to want to thank you guys for sacrificing the time as you came here to go to another or go, go to the IMN conference. Really appreciate the guys at IMN doing that. It was 17 years ago when we had the first student housing conference, national conference that NMHC put on, and now we've got a lot of great conferences. Interface is doing a couple. We now have um, IMN doing their first one. So really want to thank them for doing for putting this on. And then one of the things that this really uh, unique thing that this really provides outside of the panels and just networking and everything else, we also have an opportunity for, for us to sit down and have some conversations about what's been going on in our companies, what's been some of the things that are on our mind in regards to the industry. So uh, we started doing these at some of the, some of the live events, these live podcasts. At, at these conferences and wanted to do one for this event and I appreciate you guys being a part of it. Before we get started here, I kind of want to just go around the table and have you guys introduce yourself to the audience and, and then we'll go from there and start getting into some of these questions. So Mitch, you're not new to the podcast. No. Um, you're on our site level to C-suite um, because you've gone from the site level to the C-suite. That I have. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so... I'm still Mitchell, still with Scion, uh, and still the COO. Great. <laughs> Jerry? Uh, my name is Jerry Wojcinski. I'm the CEO of Varsity Campus. Matt? Matt Max, the SVP of Operations for uh, CA Management Services. Well, guys, thanks again. Uh, again, really appreciate you guys taking the time out. Um, I know, Matt, you were visiting a property day and in Santa Barbara and was hot-telling it to try to get here um, for, the, made it. for the dinner and... We've got a uh, we've got a live audience here. We're in a we're in a restaurant, so hopefully it's creating a nice ambiance for all the podcast listeners that that are listening. But hey, listen, as we've we've just closed out 2019, we're now going into a new decade, and wanted to talk a little bit of, with you guys now that you know you've kind of gone through your leadership retreats. Uh, Mitch, I know Scion just finished up their their 20th. Uh, or are you guys going into your 20th year or just finished your 20th uh, year? Celebrating our 20th year. So yeah. our leadership conference kind of fell neatly right in the middle of Yeah, right in the middle of it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like for all those guys that were lucky to have a kid born in 2000, you always know how old they're going to be. That's right. <laughs> or you try so to get married on an on, even year, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> congratulations on 20 years. Thank you. And, um, yeah, you guys just finished up your leadership conference. Matt, I know you said you've got – one coming up here before Ours too much is, uh, next week. We're excited to bring the entire team in. So yeah. in the cold Chicago January, but not as cold as last year. So we're at a, we're at a good start from there. <laughs> so I know you know planning those things and having those things. It gives you guys some time to to reflect on you know what's happened this past year. And I, I had a coach once tell me you know there is no there is no losing. We don't lose. We either win or we have learning opportunities. And you know as you've looked at this past year. What within your company, you know, would you say are major wins? What are some things that you guys had learning opportunities on? Sure, I can start. I think that uh, major win-wise, honestly, we really created CA Management Services as a standalone uh, company. So being able to provide third-party management services, both as a preferred provider to CA residential and student living, but also to the rest of the industry was uh, a huge win for us and a, and a big step in the right direction for our management company as a whole. Uh, I think lessons learned, we could all agree with this. We've had similar stories with respect to this, but 
Uh, I do think that, that with tremendous growth comes some growing pains. We've all experienced in different lights, and I think that as you bring more people on and see more folks at leadership conferences, see more people at your company, there are opportunities to provide as you grow because you're promising those things. As the, as the scale goes up, you have a lot of qualified individuals, like a giant talent pipeline that's coming through, and you want to provide those opportunities to keep good people in the industry. That's a very big challenge for all of us um, as they stay with us and as our, our turnover rates go down. Obviously, they're staying here longer and longer, which is super exciting as a, as a company, but it's also a challenge to find places for them, where they fit in, and what they can do for us. So a lot of lessons learned. We're looking forward to 2020. Yeah, not, a, not too dissimilar a story for us. You know, we've, we've had uh, seemingly, as long as I can remember, feels like we've been doubling in size, but 2016, 17, and 18 were really big years for us for um, for organizational growth, we brought on a lot of people through various acquisitions. And anytime you're doing that, you're trying to marry up skills and uh, cultural tendencies. And, you know, you break a couple eggs along the way. But uh, 2019 was a year where we really saw all of those acquisitions start to come together, specifically around the people. So our organizational turnover dip below 10% this year. It's the lowest it's, it's really ever that, been. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and we're really, really excited about that. And I mean, that look, that's, like I said, that's, that's reflective of a lot of those acquisitions stabilizing within our organization, but it's also reflective of, I think a lot of the programs that we've been putting in place over the years as, as we've grown and have been able to invest in in the kind of programs that keep people around. So I mean, that, that's really exciting. fantastic. I mean, it's I did some some research with a group. It's probably been about a year ago. You know, if I said the name, everybody would know it. They're definitely a top 25, and I think everybody applauds them for keeping people on for a long period of time. They still had a 30% turnover, and, and that mirrors, yeah, it mirrors what you see, you know, in some of the – you know, some of the big REITs on the multifamily side, you know, that, that also kind of pride themselves on us. 10%, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you. Jerry, any wins? Yeah, so 2019 was a very big year for the company. It was very stressful. Definitely great a lot more this past year than any other year uh, in the industry. We started about five years ago. 2020 is our fifth year anniversary uh, as a group. And last year, we doubled in size. And as much as I try to prepare for the growth and, and use past experience with when I used to work for EDR and, and when we took part of the JPI portfolio as an example of um, how to prepare, we still came up with you know random issues that we could not prepare for, and we had to deal with them as a team. So uh, we got through it. We doubled in size. We also formerly we were known as NDG Student Living. We merged with an Asian-based investment group and. We rebranded the company to Varsity Campus. We relocated our corporate office to Chicago. Um, we did all this in one year, and it was definitely stressful, but it, it set up a new platform, a platform for us to continue to grow. Uh, we plan to at least double our, our current size in 2020. We also have some, towards the end of 2020, early part of 2021, we have big news that will come in the industry from our company. Um, we have some surprises in store. Um, we have a, a very good leadership team from our parent holding company, and you know we have a very very visionary leader and, and CEO who 
has a strategic plan for our group. Needless to say that we're in it for the long haul. We are going to be providing our current team members a lot of opportunities to grow, and it's great. You know, uh, I think the hardest part for me is, as a CEO, I used to know every single employee on the site level, and as we've grown, um, it, it's harder and harder. I, I look at payroll schedules, and I, I don't know who some of the names are. Yeah. And just that letting go um, hurts a little bit. Um, I wish I could know every single person intimately. But the great thing about that, and we've talked about this before, being able to see, you know, uh, your, your other leaders kind of in that, that, you know, middle of the organization start to really step up and, and take that on. So, yeah, it's growing pains are never easy, but uh, yeah. to double and then also rebrand and move your office, that's, uh, that's, was there anything strategic about Chicago? Uh, our... Our acquisitions group that we merged with, uh, our Asian-based acquisitions group, they're based out of Chicago. And gotcha. on top of that, it's also in some ways kind of a student housing mecca. We're located across the street from Scion Group, down the street <laughs> from CA. So we're going to the same coffee shops, you know. So Taking the same share, share a background for all of our Insta photos. Yeah, drinking the same <laughs> Chicago tap, so. Fantastic. Well, hey, let's, let's talk a little bit about what's kind of happened from an analytics or statistics side this past decade. You know, coming out of the recession, this industry has seen the largest amount of growth that it's ever seen before. And just to kind of simplify it, between 2010 and, and 2018, you were looking at, um, we've, we've got a million and a half beds that have that have come on during that time. However, enrollment has decreased by a half a million students already. So, you know, as far as the developers are concerned, they've kind of seen this trend coming with Gen Z being a smaller demographic, and then you know you've kind of also got I think everybody's having a wake up call from you know the fact that the value of, of a college degree. I think people are having a really hard time swallowing that and coming up with. Um, you know, a reason why they, they should be spending that money, taking on that debt in order to do it. So I think that's part of it as well. But as you guys are looking at that, I don't want to, you know, really necessarily talk about, you know, strategy. If you're looking at different markets, what's happening from a transaction side, I really just want to talk to those or, or get advice from you guys for those uh, regional managers or site level managers that are seeing that happen and, and are trying to figure out career wise what are they doing because we've had a lot of folks during that you know 2010 to 2018 time range that you know have gone from lease up to lease up to lease up be it on a be it a, a leasing person or being be it somebody on the maintenance side and now they're being asked to you know they're not going to be moving on to the next lease up property they're actually going to be been asked to stay where they're where they're at or you know go to a stabilized property and literally within the past two weeks i've had somebody that's been in this industry for five years and and has told me i don't know how to lease up a seven-year-old property i don't know how to manage a seven seven-year-old property so i wanted to just find out from you guys hey are you guys running into this and you know how is it changing maybe the the talent management that um, that your companies are doing is it changing up anything with the training that you're doing? Yeah, you know, I, the first piece of advice I would give is certainly make sure you're working for one of our companies. That's kind of mission critical number one. All kidding aside, you know, the reality is is I a lot of the statistics you you reported they're all accurate. I think that the quality of the school and you know certainly where where we own and operate properties. 
those schools aren't going anywhere. Those, those, they're going to continue to perform. Students are going to continue to go there, and the value of those educations that they're getting are fantastic. As far as as far as this this other issue, and then we've certainly seen all the all the flavors of this. Yeah, you you have, and I don't. Maybe it's not that new to be totally honest. Maybe it's always been like this. But the reality is, is you come out and you have 20, 20 year veterans who can run loops around people at a three-story garden-style apartment complex. You have new talent that can lease up a high-rise, and if you ask one of them to go do the other's job, they would have no idea how yeah. to do it. Yeah. Uh, and I think a big part of what we need to be doing, and, and hopefully if you're, if you're out there and you're looking for a company to join, hopefully you're looking for one that can articulate those nuances to you and is developing the programs whether it be training programs or, or whatever that can help you understand what skills you have right now, how they apply, and what skills you need to have to move somewhere else. The reality is, is if you're that 20-year veteran and you want to get out of that three-story and you want to go to that high-rise, you're probably going to need to learn some things before you go over there. And if you've only ever done new lease-ups and you're now running an aged property that you can't rely on construction warranties and appliance warranties and all those things are gone, then you better be with a company that has a perspective around how to maintain that asset, that has capital relationships that's going to allow you to maintain that assets, that asset and can articulate to you how to actually go about that effort. And I think if you start with that, you'll find yourself in a pretty good spot. The reality is, is you're never going to have all the answers as someone starting out and so you better be relying on the company you've chosen to tie your boat up to to yeah. help you along the way. Yeah, I think the other part of that question really was reverting to talking about you know new development lease-ups versus current operating assets. And I think that you know when I first started even with CA that we had bifurcated those processes. We really had true operational folks, true development folks. And I think that you know as we expand and acquisitions become more and more popular and and every asset class in general is being brought on, that the breadth of knowledge is super important for everybody in the industry. And I think that having stayed at a property, watch it you know, come to fruition, that both the development side as well as the lease up, having to you know, hold true to the promises you made for the entire year with those folks in the lease up side, run a turn the following year, really helps them further their career. I mean, everybody here kind of alluded to with the leadership conferences and everything else that you know, we bring folks into the home office to keep the training up and do all of that. But I think the willingness of those employees to be able to want to go to other assets, to want to do other things, to expand their knowledge base will only help them get promoted. Because if you're in a silo with your knowledge, you have a limited growth pattern. Yeah. You've got to really be have a bigger breadth in, in terms of the industry to know what you're doing to get promoted in some of these companies. And I think it's super important for the site level employees to know that. And I think our conferences that we do specifically you know, outside of the PM or LM conferences, really focus on leadership. You know, we, we identify the best in class in our own organization, bring them to our corporate office and kind of distill down what the leadership qualities they need to have as they move forward and it keeps them engaged. And I think furthermore, we're driving down our corporate culture. You know, yeah. there can't be an ivory tower mentality. Yeah. At the end of the day, we work for them. They don't work for us. Yeah. You know, the corporate office is there to support the site teams. They're the ones that really make the money for the company. They're the ones that are the face of the company to our residents, to the parents, to the vendors. So I think that all of those things combined really allow us to build up some employees that are ready for anything. Yeah, yeah, I've been amazed. And Mitch, I think you and I talked about this before too. Uh, you know, employees that may have been in the industry for three to five years 
but they haven't been they haven't seen anything through from from the lease up season all the way through turn and then another year to really see how that move in day impacted the next lease in season and you know that I, I if there's somebody out there listening to this and they're thinking about you know furthering their career from from site level to beyond I, I can't explain enough how I think everybody was was really kind of hot to trot on you know getting into some type of traveling manager position mm. something along along those lines or a traveling leasing position but to not have that exposure of seeing something you know from from kind of cradle to grave so to speak and it's still kind of a micro level of cradle to grave I mean you're talking about really two cycles of being able to really see that you're missing out on so much so Jerry I mean <laughs> I had a, a, we had a property that was struggling with leasing big time. And I had a young man working for us at corporate, knocked on my door, came to my office and said, put me in. I want to take over as GM and I will lease up that property for you. And I looked at him for two seconds and I said, boy, get out of my office. I give you five minutes to reconsider because no one ever wants to leave corporate. And he came back and goes, and I still want to do it. So. We, we put him into the property level. He, he did. He leased it up in like four months. It was, it was amazing. He's a rock yeah. star. And, um, you know, honestly, they have written their ticket with us. And, you know, we all speak it. You know, we need, we're a team. It doesn't matter if you're corporate or on the site level. We're all one team, one company. We're servicing our, our tenants and our clients and investors. And, we all have to work and do whatever it takes. I mean, we talk about curb appeal, it's everyone's job. You know, this, the same thing goes with different positions. Doesn't matter what your position is, your role is important to the overall operation. And if you gain that experience, if you get into the, you know, get into it and get dirty into the trenches, right? That's how we all started. Everyone in this table started that way. We didn't start at the corporate level, we worked our way up. And you look at some of the, you know, even more senior leaders than us. Bill Bayless and Paul Bauer before that, you know, they started off as CAs and dishwashers, right, in student housing. So, you know, the, the way I got to where I got was through plunging toilets. You know, the road to CEO is through plunging a toilet. You know, that's how our industry works. You know, you get... And then snakes were invented, we could use those instead of plunging. <laughs> I'm aging myself. <laughs> So, I mean, and that's why I tell my team all the time is, is I know some of, some of them are ambitious and they want to leap and they, they have these great ideas and they just want to, you know, take the next jump. First, learn the process. I know it's, it's painstaking. I was on the property level for 10 years of my career. You know, that's 10 years of dealing with those parents, you know, with those issues that, you know, their, their son's, you know, room wasn't positioned enough to get enough natural light and now he's suffering with grade, you know, grades issues and whatnot. Or a roommate conflict where every day that she could borrow my sweater was okay except for this one day and now I hate her and she has to die. You know, <laughs> we all dealt with those. They, they drain you. It's toxic. So draining. <laughs> and, and I know you look at corporate love and go, well, you know, they really don't have to deal with that every day. It's true, we have our own problems <laughs> on our corporate level. And sometimes we, we actually look back to our property site level days, we, we miss that. We miss having our team and having our team meetings and dealing with those little issues and the satisfaction 
where you resolve the conflict or problem and a parent tells you, well, that was very refreshing that someone followed up with me and took care of my issue. You know, sometimes we miss that as well. We're nostalgic for that. But the bottom line is before you can work on the corporate side or even advance in, in your current career, whether you're, you're a leasing manager trying to be an AGM or AGM be a, prop, a property manager, you have to gain some experience and exposure to different issues, different conflicts. And like Miss said, you know, if you haven't worked turn, forget it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So we talked about kind of the decline, uh, declining of, of PBSH as far as new delivery is concerned. But on the, on the on-campus side, new delivery is actually increasing. There's 35,000 beds that are, um, are to be delivered by August of this year on campus. Most of those are coming through P3 type of structures. And Mitch, I know Scion is on the advisory services, is very, you know, very active in that space. Um, and for anybody that's listening to this, you know, if you know your company's not part of a, you know, doesn't actively have something from a P3 side, trust me, they're all talking about being more involved on the P3 side because there's, you know, there's certainly, especially as we see enrollment decreasing in so many areas, you know, it's, it's great having that additional uh, stability of having that, that type of relationship with the university. Tell me a little bit, you know, if, if there's someone out there today that's maybe on the off-campus side, the traditional off-campus side, and that maybe they've got some interest in, in moving over to being a part of the operations and, and management side, because it's typically the off-campus partner that is, um, uh, or operator that's being asked to manage these, not from a res life standpoint or a resident uh, programming standpoint, but typically from a P&L standpoint, they're being asked to, to do that. What kind of advice, you know, would you give someone in that situation that's looking at making that transition and maybe, <clears throat> maybe you guys have got some personal stories to tell about that? I think for us, I mean, in short, I could, if I had to talk about P3, like that, that process in general, it's be flexible, be malleable, be customizable, because I think that every single deal is super different. Um, Every, every need and want from a university setting or within that organization tends to be very different. You know, it does relate to what we do day to day from an operations standpoint as well. A lot of master leases through our current operating off-campus assets deal with similar situations. So you can actually relate those to an on-campus deal in the way you dealt with that housing director, dealt with that CFO, dealt with that um, investment person or an acquisitions person that wants to take that land at some point. There are a lot of, of, of people that are involved in that. And I think being flexible will help you get a lot farther because within the actual operations as a whole, where you go into a typical management situation, you are taking on everything. Everything from leasing to marketing to operations to budgeting, forecasting, you know, capital investment strategy. In this case, you're letting them dictate what they want to do. If they want to take yeah. the marketing in-house and place folks in this particular property, fantastic. It takes that risk away, right? If they want to have facilities or if they want to run residence life, you've got to be able to on your end, have your team be flexible with that amongst all of those categories within the GL codes. Um, and I think for us, I mean, CA has recently, within the last year, um, created a vertical dedicated to the P3 process. Um, and I think that that is where a lot of the companies are going, is to get involved on campus. Because again, the land is there, as close as you can get without being 0.1 miles away, like many of us are, some of our properties, that's the next best thing, you're on campus. So I think from a risk standpoint, and from a, you know, getting a different asset class and a different diversification of our portfolio, 
that's something we as a management company want to be involved in heavily. Yeah, yeah, man, I think you nailed it on the head. Uh, literally everything you just said. I, I would say, you know, from our, our experience, we've been doing on-campus advisory work since the, since the beginning. You know, that's, that's literally how we started our yeah. business. So we've been doing it for a long time. We've actually been managing all of the on-campus housing at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas for uh, a little over six years now. Um, and that came about through our advisory work. Uh, we've done some uh, other small projects, um, although they've come and gone. And then uh, most recently, uh, we've been advising Orange Coast College and are going to be managing the on-campus housing there. And it's been interesting for us in the sense that in these scenarios, we were able to offer our associates from the off from our off-campus properties the opportunity to go do that on-campus work but make no doubt about it we have to be very selective you finding those individuals that you used all the right words flexible malleable these were great uh you've got to be that diplomatic you know i, I would suggest if you if you're out there and you know anybody that's ever had to deal with the master lease like you said Go ask them what that was like because oh, yeah. that is, you know, one-tenth of what you get when it's all the way on campus. The campus is king. There's a king and queen, and there's a whole, there's a whole lot of princes running yeah. around and princesses that, 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 need to be, uh, that need to be tended to. It's a, it's a lot of work. It's a completely different world. It can be exciting, and some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. And there's a huge difference in – and negotiating a, a master lease agreement between, because I've been involved with them when they're emergency situations, because they opened up a dorm that had mold, and were scrambling, and and then rolled into something where you know it was a little bit more long term, and and when I say long term, I mean it was a it was a complete year, and they knew that it was coming, and that was just a different ball game because now state legislatures got to be involved, and it's yeah. It's just so much different, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes you collect rent, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you do facilities, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you lease, sometimes you don't. Yeah. You know, it's just you never, every single one of them is going to be a little bit different. And I think that's, some, for some managers working off campus, moving to a, a P3 management, that's, that's the hard part is you're giving up control. When you're running a property off campus, you're pretty much completely in charge of the day-to-day -day call making, right? And if you're acting within your policy procedures, manuals, and whatnot, you pretty much call the shots, you have your team, you have your market, you know, you know what you're supposed to do, and you go and do it. When you're dealing with a P3 deal, you have limitations, restrictions, you have other uh, on-campus uh, departments that you have to coordinate with and get the go-ahead from and get reviews and approval processes from. Um, you know, I know one deal where you know summer conference housing all had to be dictated through a certain department and they picked and choose which one you got and unfortunately you always got stuck with the bad ones like the German polka group um, <laughs> but it, it, it's, it means being political it, it means knowing how to navigate the stream and, and like Mitch said it's not for everyone and you know you have to be selective on who, who does this type of opportunity so we're, we're a quarter to halfway through the, the fall 2020 lease-up season. Uh, just 
don't think I'd be doing my job without asking you guys this. Um, anything that you're seeing that's surprising as far as leasing velocity or rates, or is it just pretty standard this year? I, I would say it's very standard. I think uh, all the surprises came in 2019, and 2020 is pretty much uh, smooth rolling. I think the only thing that we've seen a little bit is there's been uptick in delinquency at some of our markets. Um, but aside from that, no, nothing surprising, which is kind of nice. That delinquency related anything, or I, you know, I think as we push rents, you know, and test extremes in certain markets, um, there is a, a tier two market where we're pushing over a thousand dollars for you know per bed for a four bedroom. Mm. So we, we hit that barrier for the first time, and I think that uh, affordability, affordability issue for some tenants is a little bit harder. You know, so we're we're working through it. You know, it's just you know a little bit unusual for us to see delinquency this high. I mean, I think that's, I mean, it's directly tied in some cases supply. I mean, to that point, I mean, you're raising rents and it's an aggressive market and you want aggressive returns and that all makes sense. Um, I also think that the increased supply increases also concessions a lot of times, or rate reductions throughout the leasing process, which in turn can change the demographic of your property, mm -hmm. which again, can increase delinquency year over year. Um, we've seen that in a few markets. Uh, it's not uncommon as the supply is, has increased tremendously in the last probably, you know, five to seven years in every market. So the competition is getting tighter and tighter, and there's a lot of things being done to, one, have those students live at our properties, whether it's, again, concession-based or rate-based or gift-based, whatever that may be, lease term changes, all of those things. So in order to remain competitive, you're, you're changing demographics in some cases of the properties. Yeah, I agree with all that, and I, was, and I would echo what Jerry said. I don't think there are any major surprises. What I feel like I have observed is just an overall maturation of of the industry where everybody kind of understands if you go in and you put 3,000 beds in a market in a given year, there's going to be a, you know, a period of absorption. But if you're picking the right markets and the right properties, you're, you're going to, that's probably going to happen fairly quickly. And, and as a result, I, I feel like I'm seeing less of that kind of hysteria and panic that you may have seen in previous years. So um, there just seems to be a little bit more of a wisdom, if you will, around the industry about how things are going to evolve. And that's, that seems to be resulting in some calm. Well, guys, let's, let's get to the fire round and wrap this thing up. <laughs> the fire round is just basically, you know, questions that it's kind of a mix of, of industry stuff, plus just try to find out a little bit about you guys as, as people. So um, Star Wars Episode Nine. Loved it, hated it, waiting to stream it. Or is that the movie with the Spock guy? <laughs> I plan on seeing it. I have not seen it yet. But The Mandalorian was great. Mandalorian was, was good. It was really good. Baby Yoda. Somebody, somebody's mad somewhere in the world for yelling Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> My take was eh. I mean, it was entertaining as a movie. It was a little disappointing as the final episode. I don't think it's ever really final, but yeah. we'll see. Final, final for the <laughs> next until, two years. <laughs> until Disney needs some more money. So. I uh, have not seen it, plan to see it. I'm trying to work my five-year-old through all of the other episodes of <laughs> oh, yeah. Disney Plus first and uh, then saving it for last. So, so looking at the industry, we're, we're now down to just one public um, uh, company. The Jerry, I know you had some experience with EDR who you know, recently sold out to... It's a great start this past year. What are, your, what are your thoughts? You think we'll see another IPO in 2020? I don't know why you're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
blank. Uh, not, not, that, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> um, yes. I don't think so, but it's his. I never Anybody's thought some guess? of the transactions would happen. I feel like Jerry's giving you his so big news. I, I, I have inside information, but I don't know if that's insider trading. I, I should probably be quiet now. So, All right, so we've got the conference championship games coming up this week in the NFL. Um, and by the way, congrats to uh, – we had a phone call earlier this mm -hmm. week before the national championship game. So congrats to you guys who chose LSU. But looking at the NFL, which two teams out of the – Four championship teams do you think will be in the Super Bowl? Having been up here with Chicago guys, I hate saying this. I think that the Packers are going to get the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh. And I know, I hate it. Oh, I think they're going to lose the Chiefs, I, though. So it's good. See, okay. see, I'm rooting for the Chiefs, especially after that last game. I agree. I uh, think the Chiefs I, are going to win it. I just think the, the Packers are going to get there, sadly. Yeah. Amazing. I, I'm going Chiefs and 49ers. Yeah. 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 It's a better pick, I know. <laughs> I just can't bring myself. I don't to like it. saying it. I, I actually won. I've never played fantasy football, and first year I'm playing it in the, the company league, and I actually won it, which ticked off every single person who watches ESPN 24 hours a day. Yeah, it's fair. I never, I never played it either. So, so um, talking again to to the employees, you know, at the site level that are out out there, I, I get the question quite a bit. Hey, what is it from an education standpoint that I could be working on? that will help me. Are there any professional designations that you guys typically look for when you're reviewing a candidate for uh, be it a, a site level property manager position or something above that? You know, I think that the site level, there are not a lot of de designations other than maybe local items, but I do think that, you know, one of the things that I find super interesting in our industry is the, the absolute crazy diversity amongst the employees that work for us and what degrees they possess. Yeah. Everything from criminology to accounting to finance to psychology to sociology, education, it's all over the map. And it's how those degrees relate to what we do. And then furthermore, and probably more importantly for us, is experience-based. I mean, all of us have been doing this for a very long time. We all started as a, you know, a site-level worker, as a community assistant of some kind or a leasing professional and have worked their way up through the ranks. And I think that experience is invaluable regardless of the degree that you have. And student housing as an industry as a way of just kind of sucking you in. Yeah. I can speak for myself and probably a lot of folks that I've worked with, they never thought like student housing is where I want to be in 10 years. It wasn't where I wanted to be. And I think that after a couple of years and with career growth and everything else, it, it kind of just drew you in and you, yeah. and you kept getting yeah. afforded opportunities. It was great. So I think from a degree standpoint, no. It, it's crack for a millennial. It is. It's, it's, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I was going to go to law school. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's, yeah, I got an MBA instead. I was like, I don't know. But it all, it all worked out in the end. And I think that from a degree standpoint, no. But from an experience standpoint, I think that's how they, they can really help their career path. I, I, I agree with you. I, frankly, I, I, what, I, what I find so interesting about the industry is, to your point, you can have literally any background. I was going to be a history teacher. Same here. I was all the way there, man. I had, I had, I had take, even taken the test. Like, that's, that was my degree. And the, the opportunity was there, and so I took it. And what I believe is interesting that a lot of people don't understand is that it is a real industry, and there is a real, a real career path here. And so I'm less interested in do you have this degree or that degree. I find it interesting how many hard science degrees you wind up seeing with people that work in the industry, 
uh, some of our best leasing folks all have hard science degrees. Really? And I'm like, well, you have a degree in biology and a degree in microbiology? And they're, they're, but they're so technical in the way they go about it. I find that they tend to do really well. But oh, I don't go out seeking that out. It's just yeah. something that I've noticed. But what I like is the fact that you can kind of come from anywhere, so mm-hmm. to speak. And you can, you can get a foot in the door. And then it's just it's proven. Right. Put the results up. The results speak for themselves. If you if you can produce in this industry, you'll you'll move up and you'll move quickly. You know, I used to when I was first hiring, we were a smaller company. I was very much a a degree snob. Right. I was looking for a specific pedigree, specific degree. If you had cam, even better. If you had, you know, certain industry training, great. And then as we were growing rapidly and I had a rapidly fill positions and as the you know job market got tighter and it just became harder and everyone's looking for talent in student housing space in such a small pool um, I became more flexible right I started becoming more open to the people I was interviewing with and you know I have people that even have like associate's degrees that are outperforming people that have masters in, in the company and it's all of I think it's I think the willingness to to learn, to work hard, to do what it takes, and to be open to constructive criticism. You know, learn from your superiors, you know, your regionals and, and, and whatnot. I think there's too many times you come to a property and the property manager sometimes might take offense if you point out, Oh well, I've noticed there's cobwebs over here and well that was just clean yesterday. I'm like, don't get defensive, just helping you out, pointing it out. Just take care of it, right? I, I think that there's a. It was never cleaned yesterday. Yeah, I think attitude is a big is, is a big yeah. thing for me, you know, and, and who makes a good manager or not. Yeah. So, which social media of these two that I'm going to give you, which of these two platforms do you personally prefer? TikTok or Instagram? I'm still on MySpace. <laughs> I don't either. Tom, I don't, Tom's your one and only I, friend. I don't use him. He's in my top eight. Tom. He's in my top eight. I don't. I don't use either one. Honestly, uh, I review them for some of our properties, but I don't. I don't use them. I, I would say Instagram still. Yeah, I think. I think TikTok will be maybe down the road, but I think that's still more of a, a tween thing. Instagram. Yeah. No, I, I, tell uh, my I would wife. not call myself a user of Instagram, but I am familiar with the ways of Instagram. He steals all my photos. <laughs> I've seen the view. He's got all the great bell tower shots. We get the, we get the bean picture out of our window, uh, so it's nice. We got, a, we got a good one. How many of you guys actually like um, America's Funniest Videos? Oh, AFV. That's the yeah. you, you'll fall in love with TikTok. That's all I'm saying. Um, so, best book that you would recommend... For professional growth. Call Sign Chaos. Say it one more time, a little bit closer to the mic. Call Sign Chaos. Okay. It's uh, by Jim Mattis, recently Secretary of Defense, but it's uh, it's every it's everything Simon Sinek has ever written about wrapped up into one book. Gotcha apply to the real world of actually fighting for the Marines over a 40-year career. Cool. Uh, I just actually recently got one that I started. Uh, I was from, I was actually part of a group at our company, and I was uh, given a book at the end of it with a thank you note, and uh, it was kind of a compelling title and more of a compelling book. It's called Leaders Eat Last. Oh, yeah. yeah. Another Simon Sinek. But, yeah, definitely. Uh, 
So I, I don't know the author's name. Um, it's it's the book's the Givers and Take Givers and Takers, and it was a UPenn professor who wrote this book, and it was about essentially that there's two groups of employees: those that give more than they take, and those that take more than they give. And as a you know, basically the way who you are, whether you're a giver or a taker, dictates your future success in any company. It's been kind of proven. It's a good thing to our team members because, honestly, we're looking for givers to move up, you know, in our group. Well, guys, that concludes the podcast. I really appreciate you guys um, sticking it out. It's uh, We're all dealing with East, East Coast and, and Central time zones, yeah. <laughs> trying to get used to this pacific uh standard time so it's it's kind of late for some of us so and thanks to the to the audience that stuck around for this as well again thanks for for spending the time guys we'll see you at the conference tomorrow thank you thank Thank you. you